want to welcome you back to Digital Church at the Longmont Church of the Nazarene. Um, you know, I don't always appreciate uh, the modern electronic age and some of the way it seems to engage our attention, but during this time, it's certainly been a benefit for us to be able to do this online and glad that uh, you're tuning in. Uh, I want to speak again before I start uh, the message today uh, to the church family specifically. Uh, first of all, I reminded you about uh, being faithful in giving uh, last week, and I want to thank you for your response. Um, we uh, had a great uh, offering this past week, and uh, thank you for your faithfulness and pray that you'll continue to be faithful in that regard. Remember that you can um, go online. Uh, there's a portal there that you can give through. Uh, you can do it by way of bank draft. You can mail in your check or you can bring it in. And we've had people do it in every means so far, and we appreciate that. Also, a reminder that we want to be available uh, to help any of you in the church family who may need help of some kind, assistance in picking up groceries, uh, a prescription, anything like that. Um, if you need us, please feel free to give the church office a call, and um, we will make sure that you get the help that you need. Also, I uh, want to, to announce the fact that we will be voting in our annual elections here uh, in a few more weeks, and we are required to announce that in at least two, two church services, and so I'm announcing it for the first time uh, today. Um, we're going to have to do something a little different this time around because we're not going to be able to come into the church and and uh, uh, vote. We will be sending those ballots out via mail. And what we would like you to do then is fill out your ballot, um, bring it into the church or mail it back in in an envelope with your name on it. We need to be able to check you off on the church membership list. And then what we'll do is remove those, put them in a stack. We will not look at how you voted, but we do need your name on the outside of the envelope so we can check you off on the church membership list. And then next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. It's uh, the greatest day in the, in the life of the church uh, for all followers of Jesus Christ everywhere. And I'll be preaching specifically to the cross and the resurrection. But as a part of our service next week, um, online, we will be, I'll be taking us through communion. So I want you to know that. I'd ask you to be prepared in your own home. Um, if you want to purchase grape juice, that would be wonderful. Uh, if you've got something you can use as a substitute, uh, that would be okay as well. Remember, these are merely symbols of the body and blood of Christ, and then you can use bread or crackers or whatever you have available um, for uh, that portion of it, and there will be a time in the message next week when we partake of communion together. Uh, I'd like to pray as we begin our time together today. Father, we come to you, Almighty God. We think of all the times in the scripture that you assure us of your presence and power and help. Because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we know that we can enter your presence with boldness, with confidence, with humility, with reverence, 
but we know that we can find grace and mercy and help in our time of need. And for many of us, this is a time of need, whether you know, it's a, a, an economic thing because of uh, so many people being out of work right now, uh, whether it's just a matter of, of we've not been able to get out of the house and we're kind of feeling cabin fever, a little bit lonely. Uh, maybe there are some who feel a little more threatened by this because of their age or, or underlying health concerns. Father, you are able to meet every need. You're able to provide resources. You're able to comfort and encourage. You're able to protect us. You're able to heal us. And we give you praise. Thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness in our lives. We also thank you today for the truth of Scripture and how it speaks to us right now where we are at in our lives, in our history as a people in 2020. And Lord, we pray that as we move forward, um, you will lead us to be bold and courageous. I, I, th- I know many of us feel like this is an opportune time with all that's going on and with, with the fear and concern that some people have to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others so that they too can pa- experience that peace that passes all understanding that comes through a relationship with Jesus. Again, thank you for your word. Open our hearts. We pray to receive what you have for us today. And I ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amazing things have been happening. You know, the kind of stuff, if, if I hadn't seen it within my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. That kind of stuff. On the road to Jerusalem, ten men with leprosy asked Jesus to have pity on them. He told them to go have the priests inspect them, and on their way, they were healed. And can you imagine, one of them was a Samaritan. Then there was Zacchaeus in Jericho. That lying, cheating, Roman-loving little weasel has turned over a new leaf. He's a different man since he met Jesus. So different, in fact, that he paid back everything that he had cheated folks out of and with interest. What's more, he even gave half of all he owned to the poor. Maybe the most amazing thing is what happened to Lazarus. He was deader than a doornail. He'd been in the tomb for four days by the time Jesus showed up. Lazarus' sisters were pretty upset. They wanted Jesus to show up days earlier and heal him because he'd been seriously ill. But he was too late. Do you know what Jesus did? He had them remove the stone from the opening of the tomb. And oh my, the smell. He called Lazarus by name and told him to come out. And this is the honest truth. He did. He was still all trussed up in grave clothes. They had to unwrap him and let him go. The lame were walking. The crippled, diseased, and deformed were healed. Demons cast out. Crowds of people fed. Storms calmed. And his teaching, no one had ever heard anything like it before. And every time someone tried to talk Jesus into running for office or going public 
or staging an exhibition so people could see how amazing he was, Jesus said, my time has not yet come. And now, with all this notoriety, he is entering Jerusalem. And I want to share with you our text for today. It's found in Mark chapter 11. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. This is the account of what we call the triumphal entry. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there with which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. If you look at uh, the account of this incident in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, he adds these words to the others that, that were proclaimed that day. Blessed is the King of Israel. And it's also John who mentions the palm branches. Now I want us this morning, or today, I want to put us in the crowd that had gathered at Jerusalem that day. We're all good Jews, that's why we're there. It's the time to celebrate the Passover, and we have made the, the pilgrimage to Jerusalem to participate in, those, in this most meaningful of Jewish observances. Being Jews, there is much about Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem that will have deep and meaningful significance to all of us. Jesus, it said, rode on the foal of a donkey. As predicted by the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, and it reads like this. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, a, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots of Ephraim. And the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. We as good Jews would know this prophecy. We would know that King Solomon rode to his coronation on a donkey. The donkey was a symbol of peace in those days. Horses, on the other hand, were a symbol of military might. 
conquering generals came on horses, ambassadors of peace came on donkeys. For Jews, the donkey then symbolized humility, meekness, and Davidic royalty. The donkey was considered a noble animal. And this one that Jesus rode on was a colt. It had never before been ridden. As such, it had never before been put to secular use, but was in this instance set apart for holy use. Maybe this should have been a clue that Jesus was not who they were expecting. National feelings were always high during Jewish feast days. They had come to Jerusalem for the Passover, and and along the way they'd heard about Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And now there's an electric mood of excitement as Jesus enters the city. William Barclay comments on this um, in, in this way. At such a time, Jerusalem and the villages around about were crowded. And on one occasion, a census was taken of the lambs slain for the Passover feast. The number given was 256,000. There had to be a minimum of 10 people per lamb. And if the estimate is correct, it means that there must have been as many as 2,700,000 people at the Passover feast. So as the jubilant crowd walks Jesus into the city, they lay their garments on the road, while others spread branches that they've cut in the fields. The idea is very much like us rolling out the red carpet for someone today. It was the custom to blanket in some manner the pathway of those who were thought worthy of high honor. Others took palm branches and waved them as banners, for palm branches were used in celebration of victory. And then a cheer, a song goes up from those watching or taking part in the parade. Hosanna, which was an exclamation of praise, which means save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord That was a chant that the people repeated from Psalms 118, verses 25 through 27, where it says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. So they were repeating what they knew from Scripture. And again, William Barclay comments on what they repeated from this psalm. Further, he says, this was characteristically the conqueror's psalm. To take but one instance, these very verses were sung and shouted by the the Jerusalem crowd when they welcomed back Simon Maccabeus, after he had conquered Acre and wrested it from Syrian dominion more than a hundred years before. The same words were shouted and chanted as he entered Jerusalem. There's no doubt that when the people sang this psalm, they were looking to Jesus as God's anointed one, 
the Messiah, the Deliverer, the one who was to come. And there was no doubt that they were looking on him as the conqueror. The Gospel of Luke in this account adds that the crowd was also shouting, Blessed be the King of Israel, which harkens back not only to the prophecy that I shared earlier from Zechariah, but also from the prophet Jeremiah as well in chapter 23, verse 5, where he says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is right and just in the land. It was, it was custom in the time of Jesus for kings who had conquered an enemy to hold a victory parade in which they would display the plunder and vanquish captives of the enemies they had defeated. The trophies of Jesus' victories were not captives or plunder, but those freed from sin, sickness, lameness, death, fear, and hopelessness. And then, again, from the Gospel of Luke, it says this in chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. As he, Jesus, approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. In just a few days, events would unfold as promised in the scripture, yet they would fail to recognize God's coming and what would bring them peace. And these are scriptures that they should have known. Scriptures that the prophet Isaiah spoke in chapter 53 when he wrote this. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then moving forward in time, the angel speaking to Joseph concerning the birth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 said, Speaking of Mary, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And a verse we're all familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. No one saw it that way at that time. Not even the disciples who have 
should have known so much better. The minds of all were filled with a kind of mob hysteria. Here was the one who was to come. But they looked for the Messiah of their own dreams and their own wishful thinking. They did not look for the Messiah whom God had sent. In a passage earlier in Jesus' ministry, and I'm taking this from John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, it was just after he had fed the 5,000. And, the, and John writes, after the people saw the sign that Jesus perform, performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And now on this day, the day that Jesus is entering Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey, that desire to make him king was at the forefront again. See, the people wanted Jesus to be warrior king, but Jesus was the prince of peace. The people wanted Jesus to be king of a nation. Jesus wanted to be Lord of their lives. The people wanted Jesus to deliver them from Roman oppression. Jesus wanted to deliver them from the oppression of sin. The people wanted Jesus to save their Jewish way of life. Jesus wanted to save their souls. And I'm wondering, as we consider our present situation with the coronavirus pandemic and the impact it is having on all of our lives, who are we expecting Jesus to be? Do we want him to be the Messiah that brings healing for COVID-19? Do we want him to be the one who restores our economy? Do we want him to be the one who saves our American way of life? Well, Jesus could do those things. He is God. Recently, Dean Claus, our chairman of Sunday School and Discipleship Ministries, wrote a devotional that some of you have read, either on our email or on our website. I want to share selections from it with you because I think it relates to the theme of this message. And the title of, of his piece is A Kingdom Mindset. And he wrote recently, Ephesians chapter 6, 18b through 20 caught my attention. In that passage, the Apostle Paul writes, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And Dean says, I never paid much attention to those verses. I just read through them as though they were filler between the apostles' talk about the full armor of God and his final comments to the Ephesians. But I realize now that there is more here than just filler. These verses illustrate that the apostle had a true kingdom mindset. 
When Paul wrote these words, he was a prisoner. But rather than ask for prayers for release and freedom, Paul's prayer request was that he might have God's help to advance the gospel. In other words, he did not ask for prayer to change his circumstances. He asked for prayer to proclaim the mystery of the gospel in his circumstances. These are unusual times. The COVID-19 pandemic appears to be affecting the whole world. I cannot rely on things I took for granted a couple short weeks ago. Now even my freedom to move around is affected by a stay-at-home order. I want it to end. In my humanness, I pray, Lord, fix all this. Then I remember Paul's prayer request in Ephesians chapter 6, 18b through 20. Not a request for better circumstances, just a request to boldly proclaim the gospel in his circumstances. I need to have a kingdom mindset like Paul did. I need to pray that I may boldly proclaim the gospel in my circumstances. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not going to stop praying for God to fix things. I still want him to bring healing, meet needs. I still pray for his mercy and grace to bring solutions and fix the problems of this pandemic. I will still pray for God to comfort those who have already experienced loss due to COVID-19. After all, God loves the people of this world and sacrificed his son to save every one of them. But even in my reasons to pray for all these things, I find a reason to pray as Paul requested. God loves the people of this world and sacrificed his son to save every one of them. I need a kingdom mindset. My first impulse should be like Paul's. My primary prayer regarding the COVID-19 pandemic should be, Almighty God, use me boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel in my circumstances. And I think that the people in Jerusalem, as Jesus entered that day, did not have a kingdom mindset. They might have had, well, what's in it for me mindset. They might have had a national mindset. They might have had a let's boot the Romans out mindset. But it seems they did not have a kingdom mindset. And Paul, in in this passage that Dean referred to in his piece, talks about the mystery of the gospel. What is it? Well, it's the good news of the Messiah come on a mission to save the world. The Apostle Paul states that mission pretty succinctly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, where he said, For I received what I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. So I, I pose this question. Do you have a kingdom mindset? When you think of Jesus, even now, 
in the circumstances of the pandemic, who are you expecting? Someone who will save us from our present circumstances? Or the Messiah who will save us from our sins and give us eternal life? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, that was a joyous crowd that day, no doubt. People were into it. You had come, they thought, to deliver them, but not from their sin, but from Roman oppression, from the, th- from the thumb of the Roman emperor, And Jesus, they missed it. They missed it. In fact, just a few days later, we see very clearly that they missed it. That crowd that was so joyous that day turned completely against you just a few days later. They did not have a kingdom mindset. They, they forgot what the scriptures said about who the Messiah would be. They, they were expecting the wrong person. And I pray that we today and in the midst of a difficult time, and I know we're not on the th- under the thumb of the Roman emperor, we're, we're not under the, the oppression of a foreign conqueror, but we do have this invisible foreign thing that is continuing to take a toll. And in some ways it's holding us captive just like The Roman legions held the Jews captive in that day. And people are fearful. And our tendency is to look for a Messiah who will free us from all this. Oh God, heal us from COVID-19. Oh God, restore the economy to what it was before this happened. Oh God, restore our American way of life. And we know, Father, that you're capable of that. And and we believe that you have the ability and power to answer those prayers in your time and in your way. But, Father, if we have a kingdom mindset, then what we really want to see happen in these days, when we've had to pull back from public life, when we have time to get reacquainted with one another in our own households, when we can't, when we've been slowed down from the busyness of life and you have a greater opportunity because we don't have all these distractions now to get our attention to help us understand who you are, who the Messiah really is. So that who we are expecting is not someone to bail us out, but someone to save our souls, someone to forgive our sins, someone to set us free, someone to give us eternal life. That, Lord Jesus, was your mission, and we don't want to miss it. I pray that there are, if there are any today watching this message 
who know that they've been expecting the wrong person. That they would realize who Jesus is and why he came. To die on a cross, shed his blood, cleanse their sin, be buried, but be raised again to life so that we too could experience eternal life. And that they would believe in the name of Jesus and all that he is and all that he's done for them and be saved. And for others of us, Lord God, who I pray will have a kingdom mindset that our ultimate goal in all this time will be to look for opportunities to share the mystery of the gospel with hurting, frightened people living in such uncertain times. God, help us to have open eyes and open ears and to be willing to be the mouth and the hands and the feet of Jesus. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. Thank you again for watching. May God bless you. Stay safe and stay connected.